Good morning, Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's only Wednesday, mm. and you are watching AM to DM. Isaac is back. Hello. My poncho is the only good thing that's happened this February. It's bad out there. <laughs> it's bad. It so things disaster. are basically the same as when I left. Yeah, true. All right, still terrible. We stand. Well, listen, 24-7 Hip Hop News tweeted that February has also been an especially busy fashion month, if you haven't been keeping mm. up a quick review. Uh, Burberry and its uh, noose hoodie. That's cool. Uh, Gucci's blackface turtleneck. Montclair, I didn't even catch this one. So much racism, I, I don't have the time. But apparently Montclair put out a blackface bubble jacket. Mm. What? Uh, Prada had the blackface purse decorations. I thought they were keychains. And then, and you know, Katy Perry loves her. She's a, she's a follower. Mm. She's a follower, so she has some blackface heels. Mm. Which... All in February. All in one damn month. All a in short The month. shortest <laughs> month of the year, one might want to point out. One might want to point oh, out. Oh, Lord. Jesse Taylor tweeted some predictions for future fashion trends. Mm. February 23rd, 2019, Michael Kors apologizes for its new line of purses that read slave auction money on the side in Comic Sans. February 27th, 2019, Tom Ford apologizes for its new Middle Passage line, <laughs> which consists of burlap shirts and pants. You know the, like, you should have just sat there and eat your food meme? Mm. I feel like this is like, you should have just been like Calvin Klein and just kept putting out hot guys in underwear. Right. That's all y'all had to do, Could've fashion world. Could have stuck with that. It was, uh, it was a choice. What's up with Burberry? Oh, man. Okay, so let's go into it. So, um, you know, Fashion Week's going on in London and Milan right now, I believe. Um, and so for Burberry, it's a London-based fashion house. Um, the designer right now is Ricardo Tisci. He's a big fashion name. He used to work at Givenchy. Um, he's worked with Kanye before. Another mistake. Um, but they had, as he says, a nautical-themed show um, for London Fashion Week. And at one point, a model who is not white, who's not black, excuse mm. me, uh, would sit on the runway with baby hairs. That's Ooh, why I say choice. this. But not black. Um, and in a hoodie, there you go. You can see it with a noose hanging from the neck. A noose. Nautical-themed, you said. Yeah, so Not here's the thing. Theme. Isaac is a man of the sea, y'all may know. There's another <laughs> image of the news. Also, it's just fucking ugly. Yeah. But uh, do nooses come up a lot? In you know, I don't boat? think it's like it's a real good knot to tie it for a sail. You know, you might get sad on a boat. I could see that, well, but absolutely. To this point, and listen, I want to say, like, I am an unofficial student of fashion. And so the, the fact that this took place in London with a London fashion house, just like a quick little, Alexander McQueen, you know, the a famed, beloved uh, fashion icon. There's a documentary about him just last year. He hung himself. He committed suicide about a decade ago in London. So this is this is something in the community that people know. Um, so they've, of course, apologized, Ricardo Tisci and Burberry. But shout out to Liz Kennedy. She's a model okay. who was in the show. I tweeted originally that she was wearing the hoodie. She was not wearing the hoodie. Uh, but she saw, actually, uh, the look like during a walkthrough okay. and was like... Like a dress rehearsal? Yeah, a dress rehearsal and was like, uh, this is messed up. And she posted about it on Instagram. And she said, listen, suicide is not fashion, mm -hmm. right? And this is why I bring up Alexander McQueen. She was like, Listen, someone in my family recently committed suicide, so like this feels disrespectful and it has all kinds of problems. And this is what they told her. She was told to write a letter, quote, and like keep it to yourself. This is fashion. Mm. No one, apparently she said, quote, no one cares about your personal problems. Um, and then she said she even saw people backstage joking with the noose and pretending to hang it from the ceiling. Right. This is why that detail is important, right? It's nice and cute that they've apologized. They should. But you don't get to go, oh, we had no idea. I'm like, well, someone did if y'all were. Yeah, don't pretend like you don't know what a noose is. Don't uh -huh. pretend like you don't know the racist undertones of that. And don't pretend that you don't know that this is linked to mental illness. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. Ah, and don't pretend that the fashion industry, which we could do a whole show on, has a long, long history of race and racism and appropriation. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all know what's up. And you know what all of your competitors are doing this Black History Month with all the blackface. Y'all know. Back back to the baby hairs. But seriously, shout out to Liz for saying yes. something good yeah. for her. Let's take it to the timeline. Blackface at Gucci, blackface at Prada, and now nooses at Burberry. Are apologies from fashion brands enough? Let us know using the hashtag AMD. They aren't enough. There it is. They aren't. All right. Well, in the meantime, here's a tweet from the Daily Beast. CNN staffers are upset and confused about the network's decision to hire GOP operative Sarah Isger to oversee its 2020 campaign reporting is extremely demoralizing for everyone here. Max Tawney, who wrote that story, joins us now. Good morning, Max. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Going all Ooh, right. Girl, they got your back against the wall, Max. <laughs> I think it looks good. I think you're, yeah. you're doing a little bit. It looks like you're in a, uh, you know, a comedy yes. shop. It looks good. <laughs> Listen, for those who don't know, who is Sarah Isker? Um, so Sarah Isker, she's a former uh, GOP operative, a uh, longtime political operative uh, who's worked on a number of political campaigns campaigns, including uh, the Ted Cruz, uh, a Ted Cruz Senate campaign, Mitt Romney's presidential campaign, uh, Carly Fiorina's presidential campaign. And uh, most recently, she worked as a uh, Department of Justice spokesperson. She was the top uh, spokesperson at the Department of Justice uh, uh, under Jeff Sessions, uh, working for Trump. So this is someone who is a political, a lifelong Republican operative and who has worked in Republican administrations. Uh, and uh, in law enforcement uh, administration, uh, law enforcement agencies, and uh, and was most recently hired by uh, by CNN uh, yesterday. So there's been a lot of kind of like uh, some kind of consternation and uh, criticism uh, over their decision to hire her because uh, she doesn't have any journalistic experience. Uh, her only experience is kind of being on the other side of that as both a political operative and someone who has worked as a um, spokesperson for it. Uh, for the nation's top uh, law enforcement agency. Okay, so part of it is she's been assigned as an editor. She's not just coming on as a talking head. She's making editorial decisions. Um, I I think you had an update about this this morning, but um, what exactly do we know from CNN about what she will be doing? Have they clarified her role at all? Yeah, so she's going to be. So I think you 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 mentioned this, and this is and this is exactly right. Uh, a lot of the concern about her is that she's not a uh, she's not moving from you know government or partisan politics into uh, into kind of a, a punditry role, an opinion role, which is like fairly normal for a lot of these places. Uh, she's moving into an editorial role in, on the newsroom side. Uh, that's a little bit more unusual, particularly because there's not really any sort of buffer. It's not like you know, she's uh, she worked as an opinion for a while, and then she wants to move over. Um, so CNN, uh, I, I I know that CNN was not really, I don't think, prepared for this backlash, and I don't think they were prepared for this story uh, to come out fully yet. It was announced, um, it was uh, posted in Politico on on, on Tuesday, and uh, the network didn't really uh, didn't didn't uh, they they confirmed it, but they kind of didn't share many details. But as the day kind of progressed, and there was more kind of uh, criticism online, uh, they noted that she's not going to be a, she's not going to be a top person there. She's going to be kind of someone, and she's not going to be necessarily, even though her title is political editor, her role is kind of vaguely coordinating coverage for the 2020 presidential campaign. Um, they kind of make it seem like she's someone who's kind of, kind of like make the trains run on time. She's like, you know, working with the digital side and the TV side, um, to kind of, uh, to kind of coordinate and bring things together and working with 
producers in the field. Um, uh, so they kind of backed off a little bit and made it seem like she was not as important as a lot of people uh, at first thought, which I think was a little bit surprising, um, just given the fact that, you know, this is a person who has uh, actually, you know, who's a who's pretty senior in um, in a number of political campaigns and the idea that she's kind of, uh, and at the Justice Department, and the idea that she's going to kind of now go be kind of a mid-level, uh, mid to lower level manager at CNN is 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 kind of I, I mean it's definitely bizarre and it's unusual. That's yeah, sure. I, I was totally a little bit of a walk. It's a walk, back. A and it doesn't quite gel, right? Like to me, I'm like, oh, so she's going to be in charge of like scheduling and stuff. That's very administrative. Yeah. Her expertise is literally in conservative politics, so it's uh, right, right. I mean, it does. It actually doesn't seem like. I mean. I imagine that she is uh, very, you know, if you've had to work in those capacities, I'm sure you're good at coordinating things. But I actually think that, you know, that might, it seems to me that then she's being kind of underused because the presumption is, I mean, if you're hiring somebody like this, this is somebody who has a lot of expertise in, um, you know, and insights into in, into politics, which I think is, which I think is fine. Um, you know, but I, I, I think that uh, the fact that she is going into kind of a, a non, um, you know, a kind of objective nonpartisan role is, um, has raised a lot of concerns from people. And one thing I do want to bring up is the fact that she, uh, CNN said explicitly that she will not be involved in any, uh, department of, uh, coverage of the department of justice. Um, and, uh, and that includes the Russia investigation, which obviously makes sense because that would be, uh, kind of a conflict of interest. Uh, but I think it is also interesting to note that, you know, the Russia investigation is very much a part of politics and going to be very much a part of the 2020 campaign uh, and how, you know, Democrats think about Russia and how they think about Trump and, you know, the questions that they're asked about impeachment and things of that nature. So the idea that you're going to have then a political editor who cannot touch on one of the most important stories uh, of, you know, that's happening right now is Again, it's it it kind of is it's very confusing. There's a reason why I think CNN staff are kind of bewildered by it, and why a lot of people online have um, taken issue with it. Yeah, they aren't the only ones who are bewildered by it. Max, before we let you go, I wanted to point out this tweet from Axios: Covington Catholic student Nicholas Sandman and his parents have filed a defamation lawsuit against the Washington Post for two hundred and fifty million dollars, accusing the publication of falsely characterizing him as racist. Max, you're a media reporter, so I wanted to ask you. How unusual is this lawsuit? Um, I mean, I, there are some things that are unusual about it. There are obviously a lot of uh, frivolous uh, lawsuits that get filed. Um, you know, frivolous. There, there are always a lot of legal threats and frivolous legal threats that are um, that are made um, when there are errors in articles or when the subject of articles don't really like um, the way that the story is being kind of perceived. Um, the thing that may be more unusual about this is the fact that this is a story, uh, this is, this was a really, really complicated story and one that evolved over time. Uh, and the initial reporting of the story was a reaction to this viral video, um, which, uh, you know, purported, uh, without all the context to show, you know, uh, all of these, uh, you know, high school teens wearing make America great again, hats, um, kind of, uh, encircling, um, uh, this uh, kind of elderly Native American man. Uh, and, and at the time, and the initial reports said that, you know, these kids, these kids kind of instigated it. Uh, later videos and later reporting show that, well, that wasn't really the case. And there were a lot of, um, there were a lot of other factors. The, the video itself, you know, the, the first video um, in isolation kind of became, uh, was, uh, was, 
you know, face a lot of criticism. And so the initial reports don't really match up with a lot of the later reporting. Um, you know, a, a lot of media outlets uh, later on kind of revised uh, the things that they were were reporting. So, I mean, the number is pretty tremendous. They're suing them for $250 million and uh, the lawyers in this case have some uh, have some experience with defamation, um, but they still have a pretty high bar to clear. And um, the fact that the Post has done their job in uh, clarifying this and doing further reporting, I think it'll be still be very very difficult for them to for them to win the suit. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and talking about not one but two stories this morning, Max. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, well, listen, we've got another great show for you today. Jay Baruchel from How to Train Your Dragon is here. He rich. <laughs> he is rich. Those I movies should be. They real good. Dragons are a profitable field. Real good. But first, it's time for Fire Tweets. Welcome back. Okay, so listen, we believe in radical transparency at AM to DM. Um, one of the things we pride ourselves on is making sure that us as hosts, like, we don't just, like, start talking about something we don't know about. And if we don't know about it, we bring on someone smart to talk about it. But, you know, it's February 2019, so why don't we just blow that rule up for a moment? Uh, <laughs> Isaac and I don't know a damn thing about the Kardashians. Listen, the other thing about this show is that we're supposed to talk about the number one trending things on Twitter, and the fact of the matter is, is that... You did this, Twitter! Kardashians! Tristan Thompson did this. This is gonna Forced be our hands! It's been trending for like 12 or 13 hours, so how are we gonna not talk about it? Well, we're gonna at least try to joke about it with some fire tweets. That's right, Tristan. I know this is all alleged via TMZ, but next time one of you famous people decide to have an affair before you decide to, you know, take, let your allegedly wayward loins frolic. Allegedly. Just remember, you're making work for me inside, for me and Isaac. <laughs> you, you always call me safe. For me <laughs> and myself. Get in these fire All right, tweets. here we go. We, these are all tweets about the Kardashians. You ready? No. Me either. All right. <laughs> This first tweet comes from Anna. Okay, Kris Jenner uh, leaving the TMZ office after she gave them the story about Tristan cheating with Jordan Woods. Yes. I know that. I know that there's that famous quote, like, the devil is busy, but Kris no, Jenner's busier. busier. Works hard. Yeah, works hard. Devil right. works hard. Something. <laughs> I know we give a lot of credit to Kris Jenner. I know that is a fact. She is a mastermind. And people are implying here that she, she maybe leaked the story. Maybe. Because it makes for, like, a really good, like, end, right, we're coming to the end of the season. Probably. <laughs> Allegedly. All right, here we go. And tweeted, Kylie Jenner hearing Jordan Woods rap along to every single Travis Scott song word for word. Mmm. I don't get that one. I don't understand that Okay, one. I think, I'm really trying to be, I'm not like pretending to be, I, I think Kylie is with Travis Scott. Okay. I feel like they're they're the couple. Uh huh. Jordan is the person that Tristan cheated with. So is she like, is my man next? Oh, Jordan's a dude. Jordan's a woman. Oh, Jordan's a woman. So I think it's just like, wait a minute, like you're cheating with one person uh -huh. and now you know my husband's music really okay, well. Okay, okay, Should I be okay. nervous? I see it. I got it. I got it. Allegedly. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Allegedly. Okay. Yeah, don't sue us, please. <laughs> uh, you're too busy suing each other. This next week comes from Ultra Instinct. Jordan Woods escaping with her designer gifts before Kylie gets home. <laughs> So, okay, so I, I, I spoke to some youths this morning. Uh -huh. I spoke to one of our producers, Mackenzie um, and Rebecca. I just love oh, that. Oh, that's clip. really funny. I love that so clip. So I think the thing is that Jordan Woods, as I understand, is is Kylie's longtime best friend. Yep, 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 yep. In fact, lives in Kylie's guest house? What? 
which I know you want to live in my guest house one day. Yeah, that's those are goals. But so you know what you're not going to do? Gifts. You're not going to sleep with my husband? Again, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, I You take I your that. designer bags and get out of here. But it's not just designer bags. That's like, she needs to get rent get money together. Okay. <laughs> Justin tweeted, can't believe Carl Lagerfeld. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is way more serious than I thought it would be. Can't believe Carl Lagerfeld and Jordan Woods died the same day. Here's why I don't feel bad about this one. Mm. Carl Lagerfeld was an asshole. Oh, okay. He's the one who, I don't know if you remember, he's, he was like, if you wear sweatpants, uh, it's a sign of defeat in life. Mm. He was really, he said fucked up things about, mm. like, re- he was just trash. He put Claudia Schiffer in blackface. Okay. So we can make fun of him. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just like, we're already pissing off a lot Alleged. of people. Allegedly. No, he's, Let's, that's not a legend. He's actually dead. No, I just meant the whole segment. Oh, got it, got Alleged. it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, that's definitely going to save us from lawsuits. Uh, our tweet comes from, tweet name, Miss Mona. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> oh, I love this. I don't feel Chloe, I don't feel sorry for Chloe at all. She stole Tristan from a black woman, and a black woman stole his ass right back. Happy Black History Month. Oh, there's a spit. That's Wait. called analysis. Is this a, is this a W then? For, is this one of the rare wins of a Black History Month for 2019? I think so. Is it? <laughs> this is, that's going to count as a W? We're taking Black History Month back and it starts with taking all your men. All right. <laughs> all right. Oh, man. I hope we butchered this. I'm sure you'll let us all know. Well, <laughs> let's take our cluelessness to the timeline and continue to be messy. What is your favorite Hollywood or... Hometown cheating scandal. Are you cheating on someone right now? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. You said hometown? Hometown. Okay. I'll never be, I, I, there was a, my high school psychology teacher was like a army veteran. He was like, you know, lauded everyone, like looked up to him. And like the year after I graduated, a huge scandal found out he had been cheating with another teacher. I think his wife was pregnant at the time. Right. Gee. So share your stories, share your stories. My parents were married when they had me. Just to different people. Coming up, I sit down with actor Jay Baruchel, who is the voice of Hiccup in the How to Train Your Dragon series. But up next, we are going. He is rich. We are going live from the district. Life is rich, Saeed. Well, we have a job after this commercial. Life is happening. Welcome back. We're going live from the district. The New York Times uncovered new details in President Trump's two-year campaign of pressure and intimidation against the investigations encircling him. His efforts have exposed him to accusations of obstruction of justice as Robert Mueller finishes his work. They used all 280 characters for that, didn't they? Well, BuzzFeed News politics reporter Lisa Andrevia joins us now from D.C. Good morning, Lisa. Hey guys, how are ya? We are all right, I like your union button. Okay, so Lisa, this is a pretty extensive article from the New York Times. What's the big news in this? The big news comes in the first couple of paragraphs where the New York Times reports that Donald Trump asked former acting attorney general Whitaker if if Trump's buddy Jeffrey Berman could maybe overlook the entire uh, investigation into hush payments in 2016, Um, which is weird and awkward because Berman, who, like I said, is a big Trump ally, had already recused himself. So essentially, the president was asking that he unrecuse himself. I don't know how that works. Hmm. Okay, now that's, I mean, again, this was very complex. What were like the other parts of the story, Lisa, that stood out to you? 
One major thread that stood out to me as I was reading it was the shift in strategy that Trump and his allies had undertaken um, throughout the last couple of years, where once Trump's advisors were kind of telling him, hey, you know, you should cooperate, you should be quiet, maybe not tweet about these investigations a ton. Um, Trump, all of a sudden you have some characters like Rudy Giuliani and, and Trump's allies on the Hill, like Matt Gates, deciding that they want to go on the offensive and that they want to push this narrative, um, that everyone's out to get Trump trying to discredit these investigations. Okay. And what do we learn? I mean, at this point, listen, there are a lot of investigations going on, a lot of stories about investigations. Are we beginning to see a pattern emerge in terms of uh, how all of these threads reflect on Trump's response to them? Yes, exactly. So the broadest view that you can take of the story is that Trump actually has a, a pattern, right, in the way that he deals with investigations. So he's, he's doing everything that he can to push back. The two biggest ones being the hush payment uh, investigation uh, into the money paid out to Karen McDougal and to Stormy Daniels, but then also the campaign involvement in Russian interference in the 2016 election. So all along, you know, Trump hasn't really had a legacy piece stand out from his president beyond these investigations, and all along he's been doing everything he can to push back on them. Okay, Lisa, you you work on the Hill. Uh, What are House members saying about this piece? Democratically controlled House members. Well, I haven't seen them this week myself just because they are out for recess, but I was reading through Huddle this morning um, and they kind of had a collection of, of responses from, from Democratic members because, as you mentioned, they, they do control the House now. And it feels like every time there's a big article like this, you have a series of, of people coming out to say, you know, if true, he should resign or saying um, this is definitely obstruction of justice. But Democrats are sort of looking at all of these and, and kind of collecting them as blips in, in a much larger data set about Trump's behavior. Um, and, and they'll be keeping close watch, you know, because they're the ones running the investigations now. All right, well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys have a nice snow day. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's coming. It's oh. coming. Yeah. <laughs> I like that she got in that I'm last little cup there show. at the end. Yeah, you got a better, you got a no. thicker jacket? All right, I'm worried about you. Listen, up next, I sit down with Jay Baruchel of How to Train Your Dragon fame. I'm so excited. I love the movies Thank and you. the Netflix They're so, I'm excited for number three. I'm excited I, about I'm this I'm very company. excited. Welcome back. I'm joined by actor, writer, director, and Canadian, Jay Baruchel. And he's the voice of Hiccup, in the How to Train Your Dragon series. How you doing, man? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well, man, and I'm so excited for the third How to Train Your Dragon. Awesome. I'm really excited. I want to start with a tweet from you. Yep. You said, from the bottom of my Viking heart, I want to thank everyone who has made these films and TV shows into the iconic and timeless works of art that they are. Whether you worked to create these special gifts or gave life to them by simple virtue of enjoying them, thank you. Man, the first How to Train Your Dragon came out nine years ago. A while ago, yeah. What's it like to kind of step away from something that means so much to you? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I haven't quite processed it, to be honest. Um, And I suspect that's because the thing hasn't come out yet. It comes out on Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, When all is said and done and the dust is settled, I think it'll kind of be a tad overwhelming. It's just like... Because, you know, those movies... uh, We we did the movies, but we also have been doing the TV shows. And Mm -hmm. so... 
since I started, my first recording session as Hiccup was uh, like summer of 07. Mm -hmm. So from that point until now, uh, there hasn't been a time where I stopped playing them. And uh, so yeah, it's uh, adjusting to a life uh, without Hiccup. And life without Hiccup. You're all, let's, let's be honest, man, there's also kids that like truly grew up with this character, grew up with cool. these movies, grew up with these shows. What do you hope they kind of take away from these movies? Um, I, I hope that uh, it inspires them to try to affect change. You know, I, I, I don't, I think like, you know, believing in yourself is all fine and good, but I think that these movies are about believing in more than yourself. Mm. And I, you know, and I was born in 82 and I was very much raised in that kind of culture, 80s, 90s culture of just believe in yourself. And I, and I think that that's kind of lacking. Mm. I think you have to believe in stuff bigger than you. And I think that that's what these movies are about. Mm. Um, and and just not uh, accepting that just because things are a certain way means that that's how they have to be. And so I, I hope it inspires kids who uh, feel like square pegs or feel like they're in the margins uh, to understand that they own this society as much as anyone, and they and they have a piece of it. And 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 if they want to change it, that they have to do it themselves. And they can fight to change it. Agreed. Do you ever get like noticed just for your voice? Do people like recognize you? Yeah. The, so it'll happen. Like you know, I've been in like you know a convenience store or whatever, and I ordered something, and someone turned around, and was like, "Oh my god!" You know, like. I, one, one old fella said to me in Los Angeles, when you're getting recognized uh, by just you speaking, you 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 know you fucking did it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. But what I'm what I'm more used to is like friends of mine get me to leave voicemails for their kids all the time. And that's a cool one. Or 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 teachers, like, you know, my my friend's mom's a teacher in Nova Scotia. And so I, I was like, what do you want me to say? And she's like, tell them to just do what Mrs. McPherson says. So I <laughs> So I, I did that, you know, and, and uh, she uses it a lot. What, but for every one of those, there's a whole bunch of, like, friends of mine being like, oh, my kids love the dragon movies. Here, here, come. They want to be. This is Hiccup. And you watch them just go. That's not Terribly underwhelming. Terribly underwhelming. Ten years of disappointing children in person, yeah. And then being like, you're not actually the cartoon. I won't lie, I wanted to open this segment just asking like, so how do you train a dragon? But apparently I, I wasn't allowed to do that. Because you are, you're many other things. One of which is a proud Canadian. Indeed. Do you have like a go-to fun fact or something when people start dragging Canada? Oh, I've got hey, one go-to. I've got books and <laughs> books and books. In Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, um, you know, I, I start with Canada being the second or third country in the world to declare war on Nazi Germany. And, you know, and there's only 20 million of us back then, you know. Like, Good that's, one. That's a huge one. Um, most of them are World War II ones. <laughs> most of them are World War II ones. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, Canadians, because there's not many of us, we have this uh, god-awful habit. It drives anybody that's not Canadian uh, up the wall, including my stepdad, who will just be watching TV with mom, and she'll be like, oh, Martin Short, he's Canadian. He'd be like, for fuck's sake, stop, stop. <laughs> you know, and I, I also break his heart because he's a Southerner. And so when I told him that uh, country icon Hank Snow was Canadian, he was ready to fucking kill himself. But uh, um, yeah, so I, we, take, we take pride and ownership of literally everyone that was born in my country. You have to claim your people. <laughs> you it. have to claim your people. Uh, something that is very Canadian that I deeply love is the show Letter Kenny. Oh, it's just a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. So let's be honest, you have had such an incredible career. You have played so many iconic roles. Yeah. What was it like? Where does it scale on, on, your, on your radiant to be a part of Letter Kenny's uh, 
uh, cast. It's way up top, man. It's way up at the top. Um, so my buddy Jacob Tierney, uh, who plays the preacher on that show, um, who also directs every single episode, I've known him. We were we lived on the same street when I was five and he was eight, and and uh, and he's directed me in a bunch of movies, and um, and then uh, Nate. Who plays Derry? Uh, I directed him in Goon too, and I, I and Kay Trevor Wilson, um, who plays Squirrely Dan. I, I did a Pillsbury Pizza Pops commercial with him when I was sixteen. So I have like deep connections to Letterkenny, in addition to being a big fan. Mm -hmm. And so I just like willed it into existence. I guilt tripped them every fucking time I saw it. I was like, yeah, guys. So you, I live in Toronto. You shoot in Sudbury. It's a five-hour drive, hour flight. You know. People recognize me still, so I feel like you want maybe that. I don't know. Um, Got any roles yeah, opening up something. this season? And then they were like, yeah, we want you to play a Nazi. And I was like, Jacob, for fuck's sake, this is just because of the way I do my hair, you know? Um, and so, but it was cool. No, it was the best. And and I'm such a huge fan of Jared Kiso. I'm a, I'm a fan of all of them. And I just adore the show and like... I just got to go up to Sudbury and fucking hang out with my friends. It was a lot of fun. I love. It's so incredible to to, to find out that basically the background there is that you guys are kind of family. Yeah, you, you kind of all came I, up. That's in it. This scene. I've known a bunch of them for a long time. Yeah, in this Canadian yeah. acting. All right. Well, listen. We are going to play a little bit of a game. Let's here, do it. All right. You ready? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, would you rather? Yeah. Canadian edition. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. First. Would you rather go to Niagara Falls with Seth Rogen or Celine Dion? Woof. Um, yeah, I simply because I feel like I could go with Seth, I'm going <laughs> to say Celine. Because that's the higher reach? Celine is like, a, she's not a human. She's like of another, you know, realm. She's like, uh, she's like a Nephilim. You know, Seth, like, you feel like you could call and be like, hey, let's Yeah, do you got a day off. I could just take, like, now the fucking GO train from Toronto, the commuter train goes out to Niagara now. So it's like, very easy. Celine would be a pretty big deal. Celine's it. All right. Would you rather chug a liter of maple syrup or a liter of poutine gravy? Oh, that's a hard one. I have to rather, right? Okay. Uh, fuck. Um, that's a hard. That's the hard. That's a really. That's like. I'm I not, did not know that this was gonna. I'm be not the embellishing one. at all here either. Like that's a hard. Uh, I fucking love maple syrup, man. But I guess gravy. I Great, gravy's yeah. gonna be it. Yeah. Would you rather share a box of Timbits with William Shatner or Mike Myers? Shatner. Shatner's it. Shatner's from the same neighborhood in Montreal as an NDG boy just like me, so Shatner's a hero, man. Yeah, Shatner. I love it. Would you rather guest star in an episode of Shit's Creek or go back in time and guest star on Degrassi? Go back in time and just uh, do Degrassi. <laughs> is it more about the time travel or is it about Degrassi? Uh, more about Degrassi, yeah. <laughs> it was a very influential show. The original Degrassi Junior High was a big deal for me. All right, all right. Uh, would you be... And I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation. All I'm sorry. Good. Would you be dropped off in... None of us? <laughs> yeah, How'd I do? Good. No, pretty good. All right, all right. Or And be forced to walk all the way home or wear a Toronto Maple Leafs oh, jersey. Oh, none of it. Yeah, just land me in none of it. I'll <laughs> fucking take me about a year and a half to walk home. But uh, yeah, Iqaluit to Toronto is a pretty long fucking walk. 
I, I, um, it's a cold day in hell when I'm wearing a Leafs jersey, man. <laughs> and it's like I ha- I'd have to lose some fucking bet. Let me you wrote you. a book about being a fan, right? Yes, yes. And how much, and I wrote an entire chapter about how much I hate the Maple Leafs. Okay, yes. okay. So it's not just about loving, it's about it's hating. It's about hate, yeah. No, I'm, I, we Montrealers are very petty people. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last one here. And I want you to know that these all came from Emma Loop and uh, Paul McLeod, who are two Canadian BuzzFeed News reporters Amazing. that work down in D.C. Would you rather fight a hundred beaver-sized moose or one moose-sized beaver? Oh, beaver-sized or one moose-sized beaver. Oh, a hundred beaver-sized moose, yeah. (laughs) A moose is fucking huge, man. I don't think people realize. like if giant. If you hit them, like, people get killed every year in Canada from hitting moose with their car. Like, if you hit a moose with a fucking F-150, you're the one dying. The moose is fine. So, yeah, I'd take a bunch of those little guys, yeah. And just kick, kick yeah, them around. Yeah, fucking, I, I'll, you just pour bleach on them. Oh, wow! <laughs> Jay, I really appreciate that, uh, that, that good fighting technique. I yes. like that you play a little dirty. Yes. Thank you so much for joining Thank us, Thank you man. for having really me. Really appreciate it. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World is in theaters Friday, and you should also be checking out Letter Kenny. More AM to DM is up next. I mean, that was thank awesome. You. That was so much fun. Welcome back. This is Awesomer Together, brought to you by the new LEGO Movie 2 playsets, including this one behind me, Sweet Mayhem Sistar Starship. Today, I want to talk about how working parents can balance their time at the office and still have time for adventures with their kids. Liz Tentney, co-founder of Motherly and host of the Motherly podcast, joins me now. Liz, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So you are a superwoman, super mama. You are about to have your fourth child and you're also a working mother. And I think one of the hardest things about being a working mother is trying to allocate your energy, trying to choose how, when you focus on being a mom and when you focus on your work. Okay. How do you do it? Totally. Well, I think really important thing to remember from the beginning when it comes to working parenthood is that it's not just a women's issue. And in fact, for women to thrive in the workplace, it's just as important that fathers and men are able to be involved in the home front on a daily basis. So when my husband got a more flexible job, that meant that my days actually got a lot easier. And I, I highly encourage couples who are going through that to see it not just as a women's issue, but as a couple's issue that they can face as parents together. But the second part is I just read this amazing book by Tiffany Dufu called Drop the Ball. I'm a huge fan of her philosophy, which is like, no one, no human can do everything every day, but she really teaches you how to focus on where you wanna make the biggest impact at work and at home. And so when you're really deliberate about what you're trying to achieve any given day at work or with your family, there's, there's not chaos, there's purpose in, in your days. So that, that's a philosophy I highly recommend, highly recommend that book. So there's philosophy called lazy parenting, which obviously goes against the typical parenting mantras you read. Everyone's expected to be everything all the time. But you say embrace lazy parenting. Can you talk about that? I am a huge fan and aficionado when it comes to lazy parenting. Um, Some people call it lazy parenting. Some people talk about the Montessori philosophy. The idea is don't do anything for your kids that they can do for themselves. In my house, that means that my five and six-year-old sons actually get themselves dressed and they pick out their own outfits, which leads to some very interesting fashion choices, but I don't have to dress them and we don't have a battle over that. Um, I also recommend 
with this lazy parenting philosophy, you know, having very simple daily routines with your kids so they know exactly what to expect. It's really putting a lot of the choice and responsibility on your kids so that you're not controlling them or running around trying to get them ready or getting them to understand the rules every day. Instead, they have this independence and confidence so they can more often take care of themselves. I think one of the things that's so hard for women is we are told that we have to do everything, right? That we have to be the perfect wife, the perfect mother, perfect at our job. And, you know, obviously this is a parenting issue, but I feel like it does fall on women. You know, emotional labor always does fall on women. Mm -hmm. How do you do it? How do you let go of that expectation to be perfect? The pressure on women to be perfect is real. And I honestly think you begin to let go of it when you recognize that it's coming from the outside. An example of what I recently went through was I started asking our au pair to make my kids their school lunches because it was starting to stress me out all the time. And when she was able to take on this little role in our household that she didn't do before, I realized it didn't really matter to me that much to be the kind of mom that makes the lunches every day. And so I let go of the guilt. I realized that that guilt was actually coming from the outside, not from what I truly valued and wanted to achieve every day as a woman. So recognizing what your own values are and where you want to make an impact in your family and in your work versus ideas that come at us from the culture, I think is a really important step in letting go of that guilt. That is such a good point. Take actually what you value and not what society tells you we should value, which they say we should value everything. Right, exactly. Do you have any more ways that working parents can make the most of the time that they have at home with their kids after work? Because it's such a small window for so many people. So a very basic thing that I do um, is put my phone away after work. Like actually put it in a place I can't access it so that I'm spending really deliberate time and I actually sort of mentally check out from that. I also used to have the radio on, like the news on in the background a lot. I turned that off as my kids got older so that we're actually using that time to deliberately connect. Research shows it's not the amount of hours that you spend with your kids, it's the deliberate moments of connection that make the biggest difference in family success, in child wellness and confidence as they grow up. So what I've experienced in my life and what a lot of the research shows is that being deliberate um, and purposeful is much more important than just being present all the time. That is such good advice. I feel like for everyone in our daily lives to be more deliberate and purposeful about the things you actually value and care about. Liz, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Don't go away. Up next, Saeed is talking to the stars of The Other Two, Drew Tarver and Helena York. Hello, my queens. All right, here's a tweet from Kevin that is great. Hello, world. I just started watching The Other Two, and it is so fucking good. I highly recommend it to every living person on this planet. Uh, joining me now are two people who paid for that tweet. Uh, <laughs> the stars of The Other Two, Drew Tarver and Helena York. Yes. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> yes. We paid $20 for that tweet. Good. Oh, just yeah. 20 Just 20 Just That's pretty 20 It's a steal in this economy. <laughs> um, okay, so for people who aren't standing yet, which is like five people, and we hate them. Uh, <laughs> what is the concept of the other two? It's about this uh, young kid who gets yes. this overnight success mm -hmm. on his song, I Want to Marry You at Recess. Right. Mm -hmm. He's catapulting through fame. And it's, but it's, a, it's about his... 
two uh, loser older uh, siblings. Yeah. Wow. Which we push. Yeah. We harsh. are them. No, we identify as losers. That's okay for us. That's <laughs> we okay. We feel us. good about that. We know that <laughs> it's a lifelong commitment to loserdom. Yes. Someone told me that at one point, like one of the possible titles of the show was going to be like, "I'm so happy for you." Is that true? Oh gosh. Oh, that's that's a funny good title. I was I've like, never heard that. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you. That's uh, very <laughs> um, you. apropos. I love. I mean, because I, I just like it because I feel like we are all in situations where people we love. Uh, you know, have good mm-hmm. news, you know, whatever it may be. They might be, oh, I don't know, dating someone and you're single doing Valentine's Day. And you have to root for them. <laughs> right, yes. Um, is that, is, are you getting a lot of responses to that from the audience? Like, I feel this story? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think, well, I can definitely identify with, I'm the oldest okay. of uh, four oh. and all of my younger siblings are cooler than me <laughs> and like, like, are just better all around people. Okay. So I am very much constantly kind of being like, well, good for them, good for them. I'm happy for them. I identify with mine because I'm the oldest of three, okay. but I think that I'm better than them, <laughs> even though I'm not. <laughs> right. um, so that's how I really self-identify with my character. That's how you get your yeah. um, So the character Chase Dreams, which also that name just kills me. Every yeah. time I think about, <laughs> um, is kind of based on Justin Bieber, is that? Fair? A little? Is there is there a smidge of Justin Bieber? To um, I think the idea is that he is this, like, giant pop star kid. If you mm-hmm. see parallels to something, that's your brain. <laughs> yes. Um, what a polite. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you read into it. Yeah, if sure. If you read, that's then what you're you welcome to. <laughs> yes. Well, something I wanted to ask you, um, do you think you could handle, personally, the level of scrutiny that comes with A-list fame that, like, Chase gets? Would you... Um, well, we're getting a little taste of it. We've okay. started to get See? recognized yes. for the show. Okay, tell me. And it turns out it, we like, can't handle it. We, we can't. <laughs> we lose it. I got. I, I experienced recently getting recognized while we were all together mm-hmm. at a bar and turned around and yelled at them, oh my God, we're getting recognized for the show right now. Screaming, we're getting recognized. <laughs> and the guy who was recognizing her was going, Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. <gasps> no, he was no. kind of wincing that she was screaming too loud. Oh, God. Um, and I was jaywalking across the street, okay. and there was a car pulling up, and I was like, just go. I need to, like, go around. And I went to jaywalk across the street, and I heard, I had my headphones in, and I heard the guy go, ooh. I just it was mum- mumbled, uh. so I kind of, like, I took my headphones off, and I went, What's up? Very angrily, because I thought he was reprimanding New York. Me for I mean, we're- jaywalking, and he was like, "I'm very excited for your show," and I was like, "Thank you. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. I was so mean to you." I'm also like, I'm kind of a whore about it. Like, okay. I'll stand underneath Mood? the sun, the subway ads, just kind of like anybody, right, right, anybody. Okay, gonna- I wanted to ask about this because at one point Isaac, uh, my co-host, was like, "I want AM to DM subway ads," and I was like, "Absolutely not." I was like, "I'm a black gay man in America." The moment I see like. A a subway ad with my face on a deface, my feelings are hurt. Like, are, what do you, do you take uh, selfies? Are you? Yeah, a lot of people have been picking my nose <laughs> at the poster and then sending me the picture. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah, who co had wrote it, found it where my face was entirely removed. Which I, I really felt was that. the moniker of making it. Like, yeah. I either wanted a penis drawn on my face or yes. my entire face, like, removed. Okay. You're in. So, you're in. I'm yeah, really doing it. So, if you're, you're asking about A-list fame, I feel great about it. You're there. Mm-hmm. You're there. Yeah. Um, well, uh, here's a really great tweet from someone who goes by Hunter on Twitter. Uh, that's his prison name. Uh, I never thought I'd see a television show where a gay man gains self-awareness <laughs> while getting a blowjob from a straight roommate <laughs> while wearing a t-shirt advertising a Tom Stop 
separate play, but <laughs> the other two delivered. Oh, I'm so glad he noticed the um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was like levels right. guy got them. Got yeah. them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's really cool um, to see complex queer characters. Yeah. What's it been like playing this character? I mean, it's been amazing. I think Carrie, you know, is dealing with his sexuality. He, you know. Figuring out what it's like to, he's an out character in the show, and figuring out what it's like to uh, be out, or, or what it's like after you come out, mm. you know, dealing with things that What you're, comes next? Yeah, what comes next? Like, you know, dealing with internalized homophobia and complex feelings, and maybe hooking up with his straight roommate versus going out and actually sitting across the the table from a, another gay man who is actually available. Mm. So it's kind of, at times, it's, it's almost like, woo, is this a drama? <laughs> like a little like, real. This is a little intense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also Chris and Sarah, who write the show and created it, are really great at uh, you know, just having a little little sad moments yeah. followed by big laughs. You I know? Love so it. you get multi-dimensional comedy. You are giving a very multi-dimensional performance on Thank the show. Thank you Drew. very much. It's I gorgeous. appreciate that. Thank I'm you. Literally <laughs> I paid her twenty dollars. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Okay. Venmo it just it makes <laughs> Thank everything you so much. Yes, it makes yeah. everything better. Um, I wanted to ask you, Brooke is pretty shameless, which I love. Uh, yeah. have you ever had a moment in real life where you were like, oh, I just did I just become Brooke in real life? Uh <laughs> yeah. Um I, for example, went to a premiere of I went to the premiere of um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel okay. and I told I was with Sarah who mm. co-head wrote the show and I was like girl I'm so sorry I have to do the carpet like I have to do it <laughs> and I went up to the to the guy and I was like and, and the security guard was like ma'am and I was like uh, yes I'm doing this <laughs> And then the woman comes up with her clipboard. She's like, who are you? And I was like, I'm Helena York. And she goes, mm, I don't have you. And I was like, so where's the entrance? <laughs> and I was with Sarah. And so I where's had, the regular people entrance? So where do I go in? And Sarah was like, stunning display of brazen confidence, I Helena. Mean, I mean, it was stunning. It was really good. I like, want you to get write like a life advice book. <laughs> like, I am literally- I'm Doing this. I'm doing this. That's yeah. the title. Yes. I'm doing this. Yeah. Advice from uh, Helena York. Yeah. Um, well, also, I mean, you know, the show has incredible alums and, of course, like SNL writers and everything yeah. wrapped up in it. But also, I love Wanda Sykes and Molly Shannon so much. Um, yeah. Was it like just working with them? Tell me everything. I was in a trailer with the two of them at one time uh-huh. getting our makeup done, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. And, you and really? it was like the makeup artist, like, please be still. I know. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, it's weird. I've, I was doing scenes with Molly, and it's just so shocking mm-hmm. to be that closer. I feel like I was just like had a huge smile on my face, and I was I at one point I went over to Chris and I was like, "Hey, who was directing one of the episodes?" I was like, "Hey, if it looks like the uh, character in the scene is just a huge fan of Molly Shannon, will mm-hmm. you come over and tap me on the shoulder and be like, "Hey, stop smiling. You're supposed to be angry at her in this scene." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We need those checks and balances. Exactly. Oh my yeah. god. Well, I've got to tell you, literally, while I've been talking to you in the last minute, Emily Lanfer. Hi, Emily sent me a DM. Oh my God, you're interviewing my girlfriend, Helene, right now. Had no idea she was on the show today. She's the best, Helene. So listen, and I didn't pay her. I love Emily. She works at Twitter. Yes, she's our queen. I have a lot of Twitter friends. Oh my God. Her and (laughs) Bo. Hi, I love you. Well, TJ. Hi, guys. Hi, everybody at Twitter. Wow, I know no one at Twitter. I have friends with real jobs. I know a lot of people at Overstock, though. You think of my friends going to offices. What's up, Overstock? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
Oh That's my a God. good hookup. You did. It is. It's you really did. good. I get a bunch of weird rugs. <laughs> it's, a, it's a one bedroom apartment. Well, Drew, Helena, thank you both. You are a delight. And truly, the show, I think this is already a show everyone's talking about, but it's about to hit a whole new space. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. You're A list. You did it. Um, the <laughs> other two airs Thursday nights at 10 30 p.m. on Comedy Central. Watch it, tweet about it. Up next, Isaac and I are going to read more of your tweets, and I'm just going to gossip with these two. Yay! <laughs> Welcome back. They were a delight. They were so much fun. Someone was like obsessed with this interview. I'm like, I can follow them both. I'm obsessed. I want to be real life friends. I really like that off the top, overstock.com. <laughs> as far as we know, maybe he's secretly back. I, as soon as we went over, he was like, oh yeah, I just randomly said overstock. I was like, overstock just on your mind? I like, <laughs> he's got some lamps to buy. They're he's so got some show money now. <laughs> you know, but he doesn't want to ball out of control. He's still a frugal man. <laughs> you know what I realized in talking to them about um, their show, The Other Two, um, is that it does feel like the sitcom, the comedic sitcom, it's like kind of comes shit's creek. Like, it feels like we're kind of getting these shows back and, and getting our I've life. got like two things I'm really looking forward yeah. to see. Yeah. The Dragon, yep. number three. I've yep. been a big fan of that series for a long time. And now, like, this show, this is a lot of people have I'm been telling it. me you gotta check it yeah. out. And Russian Doll. I'm not ready yet. But I'm going to watch it. I know I'm going to love it. <laughs> All right. So uh, we wanted to know if apologies from fashion brands for their extravagant, over-the-top racism uh, was enough. And Lily had this to say, apologies aren't enough at this point. Mm. I don't know much about the fashion industry, but I'm guessing that the uh, uh, noose hoodie uh, design had to be a pitch before it was made. That's a great point. Anyone could have said something about this, and they didn't. They need to do fucking better. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. You need to have people in the room who say something, and that's why the model Liz speaking right. out and saying something shows that even that is not enough at times to save them from themselves. Yeah, right? yeah. And I, I've read, you know, different articles about how difficult actually it is for models to speak up. Like Liz risks a lot. She was like literally doing work, you know, and often you are just told to shut up and, you know, get out there and walk. So shout out to her. I think you, you said that earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bianca had this to say about my interview with Jay Baruchel. Shout out to Jay Baruchel, name dropping Nova Scotia and the flip and go train on AM to DM. He did. He brought it local. You know, that's what I like. A lot of people claim an area. A lot of people claim. He really had the facts. He backed it up. He had the talk. It was really impressive. I'm not from Canada, so I couldn't verify it. But looking at the timeline afterwards, yeah. there were a lot of people that were very pleased yeah. to see him making those kind of local uh, comments. You know, I don't say this often, but you know what AM DM had today? Mm. Some goddamn delightful white people. <laughs> Jay, Drew, Helena, come back anytime. Y'all were a breath of fresh Caucasian air. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we should have a graphic for that. Like, the delightful white people. A white person who isn't irritating Saeed today. I love it. Three for three. All right, before we go, I'm excited about this. We have some tea to spill. Follow Ooh. our AM to DM uh, Instagram account. Heck yeah. For I don't even know what the tea is. Oh, we have exclusive uh, celebrity <laughs> content, yeah. behind the scenes stuff. No, the stories are really incredible. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if you if you if you. I do like the stories. Them. Ooh, okay, I do like it. Yeah, I like that they they ask celebrities to do charades. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. They also have a big spinny wheel yeah, now yeah, that they're yeah. playing a lot it was of games. Really fun. I'm they just saying there's out of a hat. stuff. It's very exciting stuff to check out there. Absolutely, yeah. uh, we're low key a Noah Centineo stan account, mm. but anyways, definitely follow AM to DM on Instagram. I do want to take a quick moment to say just one little picky thing. Go nuts. About Noah Centineo, CK. Mm. We need bulges, Calvin Klein. You know, I, I just feel like, I, I just feel like uh, this campaign ad, it's like sexy, but a little safe. And I just, you know, I don't know. I just want a little bit more. Yeah, all right. 
Uh, he will be running 2020. This will be the platform. This will be his campaign. I'm just, I want y'all to go from good to great. Thank you. From Flaccid to... Okay, so thank you to all of our guests. Maxwell Tani, Lisa Andrevia, Jay Berchel, Liz Tinetti, Stephanie McNeil, Drew Tarver, and Helena York. I gotta get out of here. Woo! I gotta go. We will be back here tomorrow <laughs> at 10 a.m. We'll see if Saeed is. Woo! Have a great rest of your day. Feeling spicy. Yeah, we were really spicy. <laughs>